Hello and welcome to our podcast, Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. We are now on episode nine. I'm Russell and this is Rebecca. Hello. Hi, Dad. And how are you this week? I'm good this week. I've had an odd week. I didn't expect when you said that you had high expectations for this week, you might have a all hit week. So I, I went in with high hopes and you'll find out what I thought but it's not what you're expecting. Okay. But how are you? I'm good, yeah. I enjoyed obviously looking up on these because my thoughts from yours are a bit different, but I was expect- <laughs> I'm expecting three hits. Okay. Okay. Before we move on, I just, I just want to correct myself from last week. So you rang me during the week. I did. And what was it to tell me? So the police, I have heard a song... That has sampled the police's song, Every Breath You Take. And I was just listening to my own music. And it was a playlist that me and Connor Spotify makes because we have the duo package. And they make a mix. And I was just listening to that. So there was 80s on there as well. And a song just played. And as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh, the police have made it onto it. And I thought it was Every Breath You Take. But it wasn't. It was a completely different song. And I rang you to tell you, I found another sample and it was I'll Be Missing You by Diddy, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, however you want to know him as. It was by him. So, yes. So after you phoned me, I looked up and that is the one that I was referring to. I then looked up PM Dawn, Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. And that we should have actually spoke about when we spoke about Spandau Ballet, because he actually samples true, not every breath I take by the police. So I got the two songs completely muddled up and we actually should have discussed PM Dawn when we discussed Spandau Ballet. And then I should have said Puff Daddy featuring Faith Evans, I'll Be Missing You, when we were talking about the police last week. So I apologise. And it is after I listened to it, after you phoned me, that is... I can say that that is the song that I was referring to that gave you the complete <laughs> wrong information. This just proves you do not have a clue what goes on outside the 80s. You, you, you think of one song and it's not the song that you, you're thinking of and you have no idea who's who and what's what. Stick to what you know. I was aware of both songs, but just got the artist's muddled up with the so I, I suppose I was thinking that PM Dawn had sampled the police yeah yeah so I've heard of both but I got the two muddled up in just one I completely forgot about the true sample yeah but then when it comes to the police the person who did do the true sample is who I was thinking done the every breath you take sample and it's funny because I did listen to PM Dawn and I didn't even think this doesn't sound what dad was trying to talk about yeah I can recognize it in a song when I'm just driving in my car and want to call you straight away so maybe since well I guess that's only since last week but since then it's really in my mind about sampling and other songs now yeah like to the point where the 80s comes to my head more than a song that I already know does okay so we've cleared that up now and we'll move on to to this week's in So let's talk music. I set you four groups this week. As I say, I was was expecting some good things, but 
obviously you're going to turn around and not. So it'd be interesting to see who you don't like. So we had the Boomtown Rats, The Cure, Dex's Midnight Runners, and Echo and the Bunny Men. Yes. Now I think Echo and the Bunny Men might not be up your street, is what I'm thinking. But I thought maybe the other three would be. Well, you did say that we're going to have one that you had one that you're not so sure on. Yeah. Boomtown Rats could be a bit like the jam with you. But if you don't like the cure, then we're not going to even bother continuing doing any more because uh, that would be a travesty and you're just not learning anything, really. <laughs> well, at least I'm not influencing you in the music of the 80s. So before we, uh, we go on, let's ask the usual then best um, song of each of those that you listen to if if there is a best song for each oh I always find a favorite song don't worry there's always one you haven't failed in the fact that I haven't liked any songs from okay. any artist even if they're a miss I always find one that I do like so you've not failed there so Boomtown Rats was I Don't Like Mondays The Cure Friday I'm In Love Dexie's Midnight Runners. Now, these are the ones they, um, they had a big one, but I didn't go for the big one that I really knew, even though I had no idea they sung it. I went for Jackie Wilson Said and Echo and the Bunny Men. I went for Seven Seas. Ooh, okay. Well, just to let you know, there was some little, um, like there has been recently, because there has been some good hits either side of the 80s, but just only just. Two of the songs you picked weren't 80s songs. Oh, okay. I'm guessing Seven Seas was because of your reaction. Seven Seas was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll be able to know the other one. Okay. Well, um, how many number ones do you think we are going to be coming across? I'm going for five. Three from The Cure and two from Dexie's Midnight Runners. Okay. You were one out, four. Oh, my goodness. I wrote four first. And before <laughs> we started, legit before we started this, I went, hold on a minute, I want to change something. And that's what I changed. I crossed oh. out four. I was like, no, I'm not confident with this four. I feel like there's one more from The Cure. And I said two from The Cure, two from Dexie's Midnight Runners. Always go with your instinct. However... Oh. Two of the number ones were not in the 80s. So we've actually only got two right. number ones from the 80s. The other two were pre-80s. Right, okay. okay? With you. Yep. So we shall find out what they were as we go on through the artists then. So we'll start with yeah. Boomtown Rats. What did you find about Boomtown Rats? So I'm guessing we're still on rock. So, yeah, Boomtown Rats were formed in 1975. They are from Ireland, Dublin, and they are a rock pop group. Okay, all right. I mean, I wouldn't put pop in there as yeah, much as no. rock because straight away these were instrumental straight in with rock and I was like, these are quite rock compared to what I've had before. They're very dramatic with their instrumentals. The, the instrumental sets the vibe of the song so you know that I think like the second one that I listened to was very dramatic but it made it it weren't as in your face it was not chilled out I'm trying to think which one it was it was 
I don't like Mondays, or it might have been someone's looking at you. One of them two was very dramatic and it weren't as in your face. Um, but they've got very long intros, but they're very talented. So it weren't that bad. They started out very strong. The first songs that I listened to were very strong. Now, I didn't, I didn't have many of these. I think there was only six of these. And out of the six, I did enjoy listening to four. They're my, like, they're the strong ones. But they did start very strong. And then Banana Republic, that's a no-go. That's very instrumental. That took me back to very early 80s. I mean, this is still very early 80s. It's where we're still at. But I weren't expecting it after the, like, Rat Trap and I Don't Like Mondays. I weren't expecting it from what they started off as. And because they're very dramatic with their instrumentals, they reminded me of, like, being at a circus. Like, oh. a like their music. I feel like, yes, I'm weird. I feel like their music could be, like, in a circus. Just so because it's so dramatic. I said about a rock and it's a bit band. You freaky. said, no, they're definitely rock. And then you're saying they're from a circus. I don't put a circus with rock. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's because they're dramatic. And the focus is all on the instrumental, like... There's more instrumental than there is there, I suppose with rock, it's more about being a band, whereas with the uh, synth pop and what have you, with rock, it is more about the vocalist and the music, I would say. I mean, the vocalist is always going to be at the heart of any song, otherwise it's just an instrumental song. But I think with rock, it's very much the instrument side. Yeah. Whereas with the synth pop, obviously, it's, it's a different kind of music. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. It's more... As a, like you say, a band, you've got the talent, you've got people that are going to show that off and they can put it all together rather than pressing buttons and the main focus is from the voice. So, yeah, but there weren't, I don't know, there just weren't as much content to their songs as previous ones that I've had. So did you watch any videos of them? Yeah, so I watched two. Funnily enough, so I, wrote, I watched I Don't Like Mondays, I watched the actual video of that and then I saw that they were at Live Aid. I was like, I want to see what this is like. So I clicked on the video and it was them singing I Don't Like Mondays by Live Aid. And oh my God, I would have loved to have been there. Okay. There were so many people there. Do you know why they were at Live Aid? But no idea, but they were there and they were doing well. Do you well. think they should be there if their vocalist was the main man of, of Live Aid? Their vocalist was the main man of Live Aid? Yeah. Who's their vocalist? He was the brains who got it all together. Bob Geldof is the vocalist of Boomtown Rats. I thought I knew who Bob Geldof was, but apparently I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Bob Geldof, who was behind Band-Aid, behind Live-Aid, he was, you know, obviously with Majure, but he was the man who thought it up, was watching what was happening on the news and said, we need to do something. He was the one who was behind the camera going, give us your money and all this. He was the man behind it. He is the lead singer and the founder of Boomtown Rats. Well, I question who who I've got in my head as Bob Geldof, unless I'm picturing him as an older person, because this is him in the 80s. But yeah, I wouldn't have been able to say that was Bob Geldof. You saw him at Live Aid. You saw the video of him, them at Live Aid. I did. And it looked amazing. Yeah. Well, he'd done a, he should be proud of himself, because he'd done a blooming good job. I think he got knighted. I think he's now Sir Bob Geldof. I don't want to say for definite. I'm not surprised um, if he's done. I would be Mm. surprised if he wasn't. But um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think he was, at least he would have been an MBE or something. But I've got a feeling he might have been Sir. But I might I feel a bit bad for what I've written now. I've written that they're scruffy and that he likes to touch his hair. (laughs) I would say they definitely are. Yeah, they, they definitely are. Yeah. 
I mean, he's always, always. Well, been I guess that. if they're rock. Yeah, I guess with Dev Rock, I feel like that's a stereotypical way that you perceive someone, mm. isn't it? But in I Don't Like Mondays, he likes to just touch his hair and just like put it back and it's just like, oh, look at me. And I was like, all right, mate, calm down. But they're very casual and I feel like they're very entertaining. Like I watched Rap Trap and that was on, funny enough, they didn't have many actual videos, which to be honest, I did quite like. It gave me something different to watch, like watching Live Aid and then I watched them on Top of the Pop singing Rap Trap. And I just think they're very entertaining. They know how to work a crowd, I think. So, and they look like they're actually enjoying themselves, which is good being in the music industry. But there's not that much to say on them. I've just looked him up. He's not a sir, so I don't like to take that away. <laughs> but he has got an OBE. Oh, okay. KBE, it says. See, I recognise him being all grey and scruffy. I don't recognise him in his younger days. I'm a lot younger than he is. Yeah. So yeah, so no, that that is he was the uh, main. He was obviously the lead singer and the main man behind Band Aid, Stroke, Live Aid. Well, he did a really good job. I really liked watching the uh, the Live Aid video. Yeah, and I mean to be honest, he does a, a lot for charity. Uh, you know, um, so their last performance together which, funny enough, was in 1986 after Live Aid. That's when they actually split. But they, their last performance was in Ireland at Self Aid, which was a concert in Ireland to raise awareness of unemployment in Ireland. That was their last. So so he is very much, you know... Um, Raising awareness and wanting to yeah. raise money. I like that. He didn't just go into it for the money and the fame. He went into it no, to no. actually get something out of it and help people. I like that. I wouldn't have expected such a big name because like previous people that we've spoken about like last week and Sting with the police, you know, Sting is a recognisable name, but so is the police. Whereas you talk about Bob Geldof, I've never heard of the Boomtown Rats. So I'm very surprised that he is the front man of these considering never heard of them yet. Bob Geldof, I know, just not in his younger days. Yeah. So also Live A, which was, with, when they done it across the eight continents or countries, whichever it was. There's yeah, not right. eight continents. No, countries. So countries. it's got to be countries. <laughs> yeah. To raise awareness issues that burden Africa, including government debt, trade barriers, hunger and AIDS issues. Geldof organised tent concerts in 2005. It's weird that I haven't heard of that one, yet that's during my life. So, yeah, that was like the follow-up. The follow so it was in London, Paris, Berlin... Rome, Philadelphia, Johannesburg, Moscow, and then you also add it in Cornwall and Edinburgh. Right, not to sound stupid, which ones of those are in Germany? Because I remember you mentioning Aha in Germany. Berlin. Oh, didn't you say Berlin? I'm not very good at geography, though. I think Aha were in Berlin. I think the Pet Shop Boys were in Moscow. Weird, but yeah, it's weird that I've not heard of that one. So that couldn't have been as big. And I would have been 10. So yeah, so he's he does a lot. So just... For Boomtown Rats, as I said, they were formed in 1975 in Dublin. They're the biggest group from Dublin since Thin Lizzy. And then obviously uh, U2 came along and um, became the biggest themselves. It's funny how you say them being like the biggest and then you say Thin Lizzy and it's like, I ain't heard of any of these. I've heard of U2, so it just shows the generation of, I've not heard of the ones before U2 yeah. because U2's like... So, I mean... There wasn't, a, I mean, music in Ireland was very much folk music and what have you in the early, when music was trying to get big with the Beatles and what have you in England. 
really all you had in Northern Ireland was Van Halen and then the undertones. And then in Dublin, you had Thin Lizzy, as I say, and then obviously the Boomtown Raps come along and then obviously, yeah, you too. So I suppose Boomtown Raps, you could say, I don't know for definite, they could have been, or definitely Thin Lizzy, an inspiration for Bono and the rest of you two growing up, because that's the music they would have probably been hearing. So yeah, so Boomtown Rats are formed by Bob Geldof, as I said, vocals, Gary Roberts on guitar, Johnny Fingers on keyboards, Pete Briquette on bass, Jerry Cott on guitar, and Simon Crow on drums. In 1981, Jerry Cott left. And then, as I say, in, after 1986, they split up completely. In the 80s, they had three albums and they had two number ones. What were their number ones? I don't like Mondays will be a number one. Well, so in 1978, Rat Trap, and in 1979, I don't like Mondays. So that's why I included them in it, because they're, they're the two biggest songs. But they were not in the 80s as such because they were pre-80s. They're the ones that I prefer. So and that's why I put them in. As I say, you wouldn't mm. have heard them if we just stuck to the 80s. Do you know what, though? I'm sure I've heard I Don't Like Mondays before, though. But I don't know where. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's it, funny enough, it does appear on some 80s compilations because some people obviously think because it's 1979, it might have been still in the charts in the 1980s. Or they might have even reissued it later on in the 80s after they split up or if they had a greatest hits album that come out and on the back of the live aid and whatever you don't, i don't know i'm just saying but yeah you you i mean it, it is listened to a lot however there is some not scat well it is a scandal sort of behind that song so i don't like mondays is about a shooting that happened in 1979 in cleveland usa a school a 16 year old by the name of brenda ann spencer when asked for her explanation, literally said, um, I don't like Mondays, this livens up the day. She actually killed two adults, injured eight children, uh, plus a police officer. And Bob Geldof has since said that it was the perfect senseless act and the perfect senseless song. Bob Geldof has said he regretted writing the song as he made Brenda famous. It was going to be a B-side, but got such good reception on the tour that they then released it as an A, and obviously it got to number one. But the actual story behind it... It's quite morbid. Yeah. I legit just thought it was about people not liking Mondays. I just took it as, yeah, I don't like Mondays either. It means I've got to start work another week. Like, you get the Monday blues, didn't you? That's all I took it as. I was like, yeah, me too. Now I feel a bit bad. Yeah, I don't like Mondays either. I'm not going to kill anyone about it, but... No. But yeah, no, he heard us, you know, was obviously asked, and she said, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day, you know, which is a weird act in itself. You know, bit psychotic. Well, very. But yeah, Bob Geldos heard that. That's where the I don't like Mondays comes from. However, as I say, he since said he, he regrets it because it made her famous on the back of it. Yeah, well, it's a good song. It was my favourite. So, yeah, but not an 80s song. Well, all right, if I was to pick an 80s one out of them, it would be The Elephant's Graveyard. Oh, okay. They are a bit like The Specials. If you remember, we said about The Specials being um, a protest band. Yeah. And their songs were very... So, obviously, I just said about what that story is behind I Don't Like Mondays. The other one that you mentioned you didn't like, The Banana Republic. 
That is a deliberate scathing portrait of the Republic of Ireland, written in response to the band being banned from playing there after Geldof's denunciation of nationalism and saying politicians were corrupt. You got that from that song? <laughs> I'm only going by what I've looked up, and it says that um, denunciation of nationalism and he said that politicians were corrupt. So they then got banned from playing in their own country. Bear in mind, they were from Ireland. And on the back of that, he wrote the Banana Republic. So obviously the Republic part as in Republic of Ireland and the banana as in, you know, your banana boats or whatever you want to, however you want to put it. So, yeah. You know, because they're so quiet in their vocals, I can't really hear any vocals so I wouldn't know that they were talking about anything. So much focus on their instrumentals. All right. I, I'll be honest, I've not listened to that song, so I couldn't tell you about it. However, I can tell you it got to number three in the charts. I don't like that song. And it's their biggest hit outside of the two that got to, that I just mentioned got to number one. I don't like it. Yeah. No. Well, there you go. Obviously, other people did. But that was the early 80s. Yeah, the early 80s people were weird. Tell you <laughs> all these number so, ones that come out from the yeah. early 80s that are a load of all right, I shouldn't say garbage because if anyone ends up listening to this, then like start hating on me, but they're just weird. No, people in the early 80s were not familiar with what good music was, they just like to hear noise. Yeah, around the songs that you listen to, then so as I said, 1978 Rat Trap, number one, 1979 I Don't Like Mondays, number one. So now we're into the 80s. So 1980, Someone's Looking at You, number four. 1980, Banana Republic, number three. 1981, The Elephant's Graveyard, number 26. And then 1982, House on Fire, number 24. Oh, so they went quite high coming in and then downward spiral kind of thing. And then he had six top 20s. And then he concentrated on... Like, I mean, probably, I don't like Mondays, I'm sure he could have retired on, but obviously um, yeah. he also wrote Do They Know It's Christmas with Majeur. Not that he gets anything from that, because that goes to charity, but he was obviously the uh, the song, the lyrics behind it. I guess he wouldn't care. Did he end up going solo? Is that how I know him? He's not known as a soloist. I couldn't tell you any, I haven't looked it up, but I couldn't tell you of any. He's not like Sting, Phil Collins, Majure, who they all went and had a good career as soloists. And obviously Gary Newman, since obviously the Tubeway Army, although it was more him with the Tubeway Army anyway. But yeah, no, I would, Bob Geldos wasn't known. I mean, he was not never known as being a really good singer, to be honest. I was going to say, I think I only know him because he's got daughters, isn't Yes, he? yes. Peaches. Yeah. I think he's more known through them because they're yeah. quite in the public eye, aren't well, what, they? Is it Peaches mm. that died? Obviously, Paulie Yates, his wife at the time, died. Yeah, I think Peaches died. Not that, like, yeah. in my lifetime, but she was still young, weren't she? Yeah. So he's got, he has gone, when you think what he does for charity and that and what he's gone through himself, I mean, his, his wife left him for in excess lead singer, who's also died. She then died, and then obviously his daughter, Peaches, she then died as well. So, you know, he's, he's gone through he's a gone lot. through a rough life. Yeah. But then he's done so much for charity and in the music industry. Yeah, he's, as you said, he doesn't take, he, he certainly gives, you know, um, what he's, he's done for 
and it's not even just for this country it's it's for you know africa all over the world really and yeah yeah but mainly africa so yeah okay we shall move on to the cure okay we go to the cure i'm a bit scared didn't think much of him really no Okay. And the thing is, me and Connor were listening to them, and I said to Connor, I was like, you know the cure. He was like, Yeah. And like when I listened to them in my car, obviously I can't see when it goes from one band to the next unless I actually know them. And so it went from the Boomtown Rats to the Cure. And I just assumed I was still listening to Boomtown Rats because I didn't know any songs. When I then actually stopped driving and saw what song I was on, I was like, oh, I'm on the cure. And then I saw how many I'd listened to, and I was like, I don't even, I've not even recognised any of these. So I'm like, how do I know who The Cure is when I don't know any of these songs? And literally, I didn't recognise any bar close to me and Boys Don't Cry. And even Boys Don't Cry, Connor was like, I don't really recognise this one. Oh, and The Love Cats. I recognise The Love Cats. But I only remembered that I recognised The Love Cats when I listened to it the second time. So I don't know whether... I accidentally skipped it or weren't listening in my car at that point because I was like, oh, no, I do really recognise this one, but I didn't realise in my car to the point where I didn't know I was listening to The Cure. But, yeah, considering I was like, I know who they are, didn't recognise many, and even the ones that I did recognise, I was like, you're not giving me that much to know why I really know you and why you might be big for me to know you. So then you saying, if I don't like them, then we're stopping. Yeah. <laughs> and how big were they? Because uh, it can't be that big. They're still going. So in 2004, they had a number 25 with the end of the world. So they've gone through the 80s. You said you liked Friday in Love as their best song. Oh, yeah, I knew that one. 1992, one. number six. Oh, okay. So it wasn't an 80s song. So that's your second one that was in the 80s. Connor didn't recognise that one. He was like, I don't know what this is. And I, sorry, I missed that one out. I recognised that one because that one came on in the car and I was listening to the instrumental and I started singing ahead in my head. And then I was like, I wonder if this is even the right song that I've got in my head. And it was. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know that one. So yeah, there was a couple, but considering you sent me quite a lot, like there was like 16 from them. So you, you thought three number ones from Cure? Yeah, just because of the vast amount of songs. So who did you have down as being, who you thought would have been got to number one? I had the Love Cats and I went with Friday I'm in Love. Any other one? Oh, I said three. Oh, yeah, but I only changed it to three today. Um, I would have gone with Close to Me. Uh-huh. Okay. That'd be interesting when I uh, go through their hits then. I take it it's none of them then. So um, just so you know, they were formed in 1978 in Crawley, West Sussex. So okay. just outside Gatwick. Yeah. And they are an alternative rock band, also seen as a gothic rock band. I wrote that they were goth looking. There you go. And so I wrote down, and I think this is why I couldn't get in touch with them as much, because they're very gothic and I wrote it takes me back when I was in secondary school some friends that I had were like down the gothic emo route and they listened to music that reminds me of the cure and it's not really up my street it's a bit depressing and they don't have many lyrics again and it just annoys me like it is predominantly instrumental in quite a lot of the songs there's nothing that really draws me in 
Okay, so you might be um, surprised to know that they're seen as pioneers of alternate rock. Yeah, but that's not something that I listen to anyway. And they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019. Well, good for them. How? By selling 30 million albums worldwide. I just think they're very, like, slow starting. There's not much fast pace and it's very instrumental and focusing on that side of it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There was just nothing that drew me and nothing that kept me there. Like, when I listened to them the second time at home, I was like, how many more songs have we got left of these? And Connor didn't really like them either. So I'm not sure why you'd be disappointed in me not liking them that much. I'll be honest, if I was to put money on who out of the four this week you were going to like, I honestly thought it'd be The Cure. So this is another Adam and the Ants. This is another Adam and the Ants episode <laughs> where you like the vapors over Adam and the Ants, which I just did not think was going to happen. And you've obviously done it again this week. I just can't explain it. They're just a bit depressing, a bit slow, but got that rock in there and just very instrumental. And there's just not much going for me to be listening to them. They're interesting to look at. Yeah. No, and that's that's fine if if it's not your, you know. It's funny though that the one of the bands that you're now going to say, I mean, we won't go into it, but you're going to say is a miss. I'm guessing is one of the bands that are still going in the te- as, well. I don't know if they're still going, but as I say, in 2004 they had a number 25, and they had hits in the 90s as well. Well, I'll have a look at other songs. They might and have changed. I'm sure 30 million albums worldwide is not a band that's failing. But obviously you wouldn't have been in that 30 million. There is much many more people in the world than 30 million. Many more people in, in the that, world. That other group. So, yeah. <laughs> you like them. I like them, yeah. See, yeah. I wouldn't say this I is like something them. that you listen to. And you haven't mentioned the, the song I like is In Between Days. No. Yeah, see, I like that. No. Lullaby, that was another one I like. Lullaby weren't that bad. But legit, out of the 16 that you gave me... I liked six. Okay, that's fine. Well, so um, I will just go through who they are. So they've actually um, changed their lineup quite a few times since 1978. And Robert now Smith, we're this far in, that doesn't surprise me. The amount of bands that changed their lineup. Yeah, well, yeah. But Robert Smith, who was obviously the, the main songwriter and founder, he's the only ever present that's been with them. Right, okay. Um, so you start well, with someone else or, like that. Or was it like Madness? Oh, I can't remember. Might have been ELO with Jeff Lynne. Maybe. Might have been. The cute, so The Cure was Robert Smith, vocals, guitar and principal songwriter. And as I say, he's been with The Cure pretty much all the way through. Although he did leave or he put the band on hold when he had a little, um, got into, into helping or involved with Susie and the Banshees, who we haven't touched on yet, but he appeared in... A video of theirs i don't think he was actually in the group but he appeared in a video and probably helped i don't without looking into him whether he produced any of their music or whatever i don't know but he he did spend a bit of time with them and the cure was on hold but as we've said they were still going in 2004 so obviously it, it didn't go completely um michael or mick dempsey was guitars lawrence or lowell tolhurst was percussion dempsey left in 1979 and was replaced by a Simon Gallup on bass and keyboards. Then you had Andy Anderson, 1983, on drums. However, he was sacked 
for destroying the hotel room and was replaced by Boris Williams on drums in 1984. Obviously, as I say, the group's changed quite a few times. So that is just what I've gone through for the, that's the main lineup for the eighties. And then obviously it changed again and obviously in the nineties. Mm. However, as I say, they are seen as pioneers of alternate rock and were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, Do you know what? When you first said that and I said how, I can see how, you know, they're obviously definitely in that genre. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan of them. Yeah. Which is, again, I suppose why you're because I'm not a rock and roll person. I don't see the cures as rock and roll as such. But status quo, who you like, are the complete other end of the spectrum as far as rock and roll you know they are rock and roll they're more fun these are depressing rock and roll these are rock and roll to me is like getting up and having yes they're more depressing it'd be interesting when we come to the smiths what you think of them then is all i can say on that we look forward to that one so yeah they've had how many albums do you think they've had in the 80s Going by 16 songs, I want to say like four or five. Seven. Okay. Seven albums in the 80s. As I say, 30 million albums sold worldwide. And they've had two top 10 hits. No number ones. See, I thought they would. But it's more, I thought they would because of the vast amount of songs. So I assume that they would have. Yeah. Because when there's more songs, I'm like, okay, so you're known more than the others that's why i assumed and then i just picked the ones that i thought would have done the best yeah yeah no which is why how i would do it and that's how it would be if you don't know so yeah there are two top 10 hits any guesses and we're only talking 80s so not friday in love because as i said they were 90s okay then i want to go the love cats and Mm. boys don't cry okay so 1980, A Forest got to number 31. 1982, The Hanging Garden, number 34. 1983, The Walk, number 12. 1983, The Love Cats, number seven. Okay, so right. 1984, The Caterpillar, number 14. 1985, In Between Days, which is my favourite, number 15. 1985, Close to Me, number 24. 1986, Boys Don't Cry, number 22. 1987, Why Can't I Be You, number 21. 1987, Catch, number 27. 1987, Just Like Heaven, number 29. 1989, Lullaby, number 5. So the biggest hit was in 1989 that's their best one wow and then 1989 love song number 18 and then the others i gave you which were in the 90s was 1990 pictures of you number 24 1990 never enough number 13 1992 high number eight okay that's another top 10 of theirs obviously in the Mm. 90s And then 1992, Friday, I'm in love, number six. So they dipped back in there. Yeah. And then, as I say, in 2004, the end of the world, number 25. They weren't really that great with chart toppers, really. But a cult band doesn't have to be a number one. In fact, in the 80s, 
bands didn't want to be number one. Well, I would. But at the top spot, you like own the music world if you're number one. But in the 80s, there was so much competition. But I think it was also seen as selling your soul. Why? Because there was a lot of indie. As I said, there was the indie mm. chart. If you remember when we talked about New Order, yeah, there's a lot of independent labels, yeah, who were uh, you know trying to um, help these up and coming groups, and I suppose they were sort of like rebels. They did not want to be in number. You know, if you got to number one or if you appeared on top of the pop, there was quite a few bands. I mean, I think we, it was a clash that we mentioned never appeared on. They didn't want to go on top of the pops. I think it was a clash because people didn't want to be seen as being commercialised. Yeah, whereas nowadays it's all about being commercialised, it's all about being mainstream. And that, I think, is the difference in with the 80s. It was, you know, you either like it or you don't. And I guess in the 80s it was more about the music rather than now. I mean, it is still about the music. You've still got people that are passionate about making music. It's not just people. But like I've said in a previous episode, it's a lot easier to get in now and, the, and people know that it's easy to get in and they can make a lot of money. So generations have definitely changed. People that are in the music industry and are big and they're sticking it out rather than these one-hit wonders, like the one-hit wonders don't care. They just want that money and a bit of fame. Whereas the ones that are in it, it still is about the music, but I think it's a lot more commercialised. There aren't many cult, unless it's rock, where you will then have your cult following because they don't get into the charts. They're not mainstream. So it is a it is a difference, the fact that there's a vast variety of genres and bands and everything in the 80s, which I don't know whether I prefer. Like, it is opening my eyes to more music, like there's music that I would never have listened to by like since doing this that I like and whole different genres. Like you say how I like status quo and they are rock and roll, but they're fun rock and roll and I wouldn't have ever explored them because of what genre they come under. But look, I like them. Whereas nowadays I probably wouldn't. But then we've also said that I guess the rock has changed a lot more. Okay. Moving on to a completely different band then with Dixie's Midnight Runners. What did you think of them? The first thought I had was these are great to listen to after The Cure because The Cure was very downer and these just, the first song I was like, okay, this is fun. I'm with you. So literally from the first beat of, I don't know if I pronounced it wrong, but Gino had me straight in. I was like, well, I'm actually drawn in now. And I know I want to say jazzy, but I feel like we're still in rock. But these have got more of that upbeat. I feel like it's a... Like how you said, status quo are one end of the spectrum of rock and secure the other. I feel like these are up there with status quo. Yeah. They started off as a Celtic folk band and then they're known as a pop rock band. Yeah, I can see that. I went with a bit of alternative, but I don't think I know what genres even mean with these. They were formed in 1978 in Birmingham. So you think they're from Birmingham mm. and Duran Duran were from Birmingham. And yet they're totally different (laughs) extremes of music. Very different. Yeah. These are more up my street. They're just fun. Like I say, if you're putting them on the spectrum, these would be up with madness and status quo in the fun rock. That's what I'm going to call it. Fun rock and depressive rock. And so Come On Eileen is obviously their big one. And it's weird that, you know, Come On Eileen. And usually when you have a big song, you know who sings it? I have never in my whole life 
had any clue whose son come on Eileen until this. Never even thought about checking it out. No, I don't think I've ever, when you've typed it in, no, but to be fair, I don't think I've ever listened to Come On Eileen just by typing it in myself. You usually always hear it at like parties and weddings and big functions where someone else would play it for you and you would still have no idea who's singing it. And I'm pretty sure you basically come into the world and Come On Eileen is encrypted in your brain. Like, it's a bit like Sweet Caroline, it's just encrypted in your brain because I don't ever remember the first time that I heard it and probably the first time that I heard it I knew what all the not all the lyrics but you know the chorus so I'd never thought about checking who sung it and I'm glad these people sing it it really suits them but it obviously does they made that song but all the other songs are with the same vibe and I really liked that because you've not got in previous episodes you've had like one that I really recognize and then you've had like others surrounding it and they're a bit disappointing because it's not followed that same high expectation vibe whereas these have and I realized so obviously with Spotify I try not to give too much away when I'm typing in YouTube or looking on Spotify and looking at years or whatnot but I always I see that, I think that's evidence in that it hasn't even come up Bob Geldof with Live Aid <laughs> yes <laughs> but I always see like the album covers and funnily enough, the ones that I really enjoyed from Dexy's Midnight Runners are all from the same album. Yeah. I don't know what the album's called, but it's like a little, it's a man sat in front of a fence. Oh, it had um, someone else in it, Kevin Rowland, and it was called To Rye. That's the album. Okay. Um, Dexy's Midnight Runners were formed in 1978 in Birmingham by lead singer Kevin Rowland. So why does it say Kevin Rowland on that album art? Kevin Rowland and Dexy McNightmares. Did he leave? Did he just decide It to... might have been a bit like Gary Newman originally, that he was the main man and then said, and, you know. Maybe. Um, but yeah, Kevin Rowland formed them. He was a vocalist, guitarist. Jim Patterson, trombone. Pete Williams, bass. Pete Saunders, keyboards. John J. drums. Steve Spooner, saxophone, and Jeff Kent, drums. However, they did have a lot of lineups and an awful lot of instruments. So I'm just going to go through the list of instruments that this group has had over the time. And I don't think we'll come across another band, anything like them. So are you ready? Go on. So we'll start off with guitar. Obviously, Kevin Rowland, he was the main person, so he played guitar. So we had guitar. We got trombone. We've got bass, we've got keyboards, we've got drums, we've got a saxophone, we've got trumpet, we've got banjo, oh. we've got flute, we've got violin, we've got an organ, we've got a piano. Oh my goodness. We've got a mandolin, we've got an accordion, we have a horn, we have vibes. Now I looked up what vibes was because I don't even know what vibes is and it's a, a, bi a vibraphone have. and it looked like a xylophone and obviously burned by the sound by what it's called a vibraphone and a xylophone obviously very similar but obviously it can't, gives different music but that's what a vibes is. We've got an a viola mm -hmm. which is a large violin. So an assortment of instruments from your, your normal guitar and drums and keyboards and bass and then you've got a banjo and a flute and a vibes and an organ a horn an accordion you know so, so yeah. these guys should have called themselves dexy's midnight orchestra instead of the blooming omd and 
ELO have an orchestra in your names. These are an orchestra. They should have had orchestra in your names. Sell it right, guys. But Bluminette, that is a lot. Yeah. So I wasn't going to write down all the people that have been in the band. Because there's so many. There was, I believe, believe me, there was at least 20, maybe 30 wow. names. Wow. And there, but I just wrote down all the instruments that have been used. Now, whether they were, you know, it might have been that they played, well, I wouldn't have thought they'd listed it if they didn't play it. But yeah, they could have been listed as, he's a mandolin player and an accordion. And yeah. The accordion. And in some songs you might have this many being played and some you might only, yeah. Well, having all that. But then it's weird because then I watched these on Top of the Pops and there weren't that no. many on the stage. So... I don't know what they were doing, unless they had some people off the stage because there were so many, but I didn't see them. I wouldn't have guessed they would have had loads. So there's been at least three during the 80s. Um, so we had Dixie's Midnight Runners Mark 1 was in 1978 when they formed to 1980. Mark 2 was just 81 to 82. And then Mark 3 was from 1982. To, I think 1987. So they've gone through three separate group lineups in just a matter of like five years. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the first two was literally 78 to 80 and 81. So, but 1978 to 1982, they'd gone, they won Mark three by the end of the eight, by the time of 1982. Wow. So, yeah. Ooh. But no, I thought these were really fun. Okay. They only had one mellow song, which was the last one because of you. Uh-huh. But I still, I liked it, but it was just, it was kind of like, why, why go mellow for bring back the fun kind of thing? They like to wear hats. I want to know if they've got a thing like hats. No, but um, well, they're more, I mean, Kevin Rowland was sort of like the, was it a bobolat sort of, not a bobolat, yeah. a bobble, yeah. But they're more known for their dungarees. I wrote that they wear a lot of denim. Yeah. And they like, yeah. That's what I would say they were more. Kevin Rowland was, because yeah, he always had a, I don't know what you call it, not a bobble axe. It didn't have the bobble on the top. It was the, like a beret. Yeah, yeah I saw, yes, I, it was a beret. That's it. No, it wasn't a bobble It was a beret. Yes, it was. It was a beret. But they were yeah. more known for their dungarees. And that's what they actually wore in, come on, Eileen, if you saw the video. Yeah, I did. They look French, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why. But they've got, like, all of them. Yeah, probably. And then all of them have a really thin moustache goatee type thing and it makes them look French and all of them are like it and but these don't come across as clones even though they match their outfits but they all do look different even though you've got some of them with perms some of them with mullets but they just look like they were having fun and I like a bit of fun mm-hmm. well they uh, they had so much fun they got banned from Top of the Pops why? so the song that you like Jackie Wilson said there's yeah. a dance player by the name of Jockey Wilson. And their nickname for the song was Jockey Wilson. Right. And then when they went on top of the pops, they uh, got a picture of Jockey Wilson put on the on the stage. And people were thinking, are they singing Jockey Wilson said, not Jackie Wilson? But it wasn't. They just mm-hmm. put it up there as a joke. But obviously the, the big wigs at BBC in charge of top of the pops didn't like the joke. And they've never <laughs> pl- they never played on Top of the Pops again. Really? really? Well, that's very, what's the word? I don't know. Very, they're wimps. BBC are wimps. <laughs> they can't take a joke. So, yeah. So, I said to you at the beginning, four number ones. 
However, I also said that two of those were outside of the 1980s, of which you've had already with the Boomtown Rats. Mm-hmm. And we've already had The Cure, who you thought had three number ones, or at least two number ones, and changed it, and they had none. So we've still got two number ones to find. Do you think Echo and the Bunnymen have got some to come? No. Or are you going with Dixie's Midnight Runners? You've already said, come on, Eileen. Yeah. What would you say then is the other one if you're going with Dixie's Midnight Runners? Gino or Jackie Wilson said. Which one are you going with? Gino. Gino. Okay. So. Nah, 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 nah. Because come on, Eileen would have made them big. Let's go with after come on, Eileen. Let's go with Jackie Wilson said. You sure? Oh, it's hard. Oh, no, I don't like the way you're asking me if I'm sure. <laughs> now, let's just go with Gino. Let's just go with Gino. Go with Gino. Sticking with your instincts. I've got faith. Yeah? Yes. No faith in Echo and the Bunnymen having a number one. No, no, no. Although you're making me... Stop asking me questions. I don't like questions. Okay. So Dixie's Midnight Runners had three albums in the 80s. Okay. And they had two number ones. Okay. They had... A number one with Come On Eileen in 1982. Obviously. And they had a number one in 1980 with Gino. Oh, look at me. I think that's the first time I've ever got it right. Well done. Always go with your instincts. Stop questioning <laughs> me, Dad. You make me, you make me question myself. So, yeah. So, 1980, I didn't give you this one, but Dance Dance got to number 40. So, only just got in there. Yeah. Mm. 1980 Gino, number one. 1980 There, There, My Dear, number seven. 1981 Show Me, number 16. 1982 Come On Eileen, number one. 1982 Jackie Wilson Said, number five. 1982 Let's Get This Straight, number 17. 1983 The Celtic Soul Brothers, number 20. And 1986, Because of You, number 13. So they weren't that bad. No. And in 1982, Come On Eileen was the biggest selling single. I'm not surprised. It is a proper so, get yeah, up so and they dance. had the So not only did they have number one, it was the biggest selling single of that year. Although, do you know what I find really weird about these? Most of the time you have no idea what they're saying. Like, even in Come On Eileen, you have n- I have no idea what they're saying apart from the chorus. And even the chorus is a bit dodgy apart from the Come On Eileen when they're really clear. No idea what they're saying, but yeah, I'll roll with it because you sound good and you're, you're fun. Like, it's weird. Yeah. So when did these break up? Um, I'm not sure if they have. As I say, um, well, they must stop because they're not going now. So, yeah, I'm getting... I'm, no, the last hit was 1986, so it's probably around that time. As I say, the Mark Three. Lineup went till 1987, so I guess that around that time. If there was no Mark Four, no, not well, not that I've looked in. I I was only looking at the 80s, yeah. So, unless I'm I'm not aware of them still being around, and as I say, from a hits point of view, not that it's always about hits, there's plenty of good songs that weren't hits, but their last big hit, and when you think they'd have had a big, they'd have had a following, was 1986. So, okay, yeah, okay, moving on then. To Echo and the Bunnymen. What did you think of them? I think these were the rockiest that I've heard. I don't know if rockiest is a word, but these ones were more rocky, I think. These ones I could zone in and out of, like just have them on in the background every now and then. I was like, oh, 
perk my ears up and I like this one or I could chill back out like they were just nice to have there quite you know just a bit of company the first couple I didn't really enjoy until it got to like never stop and then I enjoyed it like there was more about them and then I enjoyed quite a lot after then like the middle the middle I enjoyed their middle bit of the 80s but there's not much to say about them like I say like I could zone in and out there was a few songs that I liked didn't recognize any didn't recognize any at all and again like Dexy's Midnight Runners the album art of the ones that I like are all the same so it must be the same album so it must be one album that has really touched me and I like that one so it'd be interesting to see if I like all the others on that album The Killing Moon was that about religion? Do they have some underlying messages? I don't in any know. Of their songs? No, I'll be honest. Oh, okay. I don't know. Couldn't tell. I feel like they were talking to God. Yeah. But I do know that the lead singer, Ian McCulloch, huh? I have seen because he joined AHA on their la- their most recent tour, actually. It's the one that was still going ahead, was still happening before. No, because they were on the- no, no, it wasn't. It was the one before the one, that one. Um, which was their acoustic right. tour, unplugged tour. Right. Okay. And he was there with them. I can't remember what song of Aha's he sang. However, he did sing The Killing Moon with Aha. Okay. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. So um, I think they were influenced by Echo and the Bunnymen in some way. Fair one of the guys to be appearing with. Yeah, even so, because obviously they were formed in 1978. Aha was obviously just about, I think Bridges was already ready, but the others wasn't. And they were obviously becoming, and obviously when they moved to London, they started listening to music from London. And I guess that Echo and the Bunnymen were by that time in in the mainstream and they listened to him. But yeah, um, Ian McCulloch, the lead singer of Echo and the Bunnymen, was on tour with Aha with one song, I can't, I've got a feeling it was um, The Sun Always Shines on TV, but I can't, can't definitely say that. But it definitely, they definitely sang The Killing Moon. And it was just him by himself? No, nope. not the rest so you of the had band. Ian, Ian McCulloch was vocals, Will Sargent, guitarist, Lee Pattinson, bass, and Pete DeFreitas, drums. So where were the others with a heart? So McCulloch left in 1988 and he disbanded the band however the others got together and got another lead singer in to replace him if anyone that was 1988 in 1989 defratus was killed in a motorway accident at the age of 27 oh my goodness so um i think then that pretty much the echo and the bunny men dissolved after that Although yeah. they have had, I think they've had some like reunions and that. But Ian, Ian McCulloch, who was obviously the main person and got them together. So they were formed in 1978 in Liverpool. They were known as a punk rock band. And McCulloch was originally in a band called The Crucial Three. And there was two other members in that with him, which I suppose is where the three comes from. There was Ian McCulloch, who went on to find success with Echo and the Bunnymen. There was Julian Cope, who went on to find success with Teardrop Explodes. And there was Pete Wiley, who went on to find success with The Mighty War or just The War. So all three of them from that group actually went and had, I suppose, limited success. But they all went in their own ways and, and their bands were still... Better successes. 
Yeah, they, they all had, I would say they had different sorts of success, but yeah. So Echo and the Bunnymen had five albums in the 1980s. And like The Cure, they had two top tens, The Cutter and The Killing Moon. Okay. But, and again, these have more songs like The Cure did than from Boomtown Rats and Dexie's Midnight Runners. Yet they're not hitting the top ten as much. But like you say, it weren't all about um, that as back I said, then. though, but it wasn't, in back then it was about, you know, yes, obviously the, there's the songs, because obviously back then you were selling albums rather than singles. Yes, the singles got you noticed. Mm. Obviously a number one got you, or, you know, just getting in the top 40 got you onto Top of the Pops. Yeah. A possible invite to Top of the Pops. And then, you know, once you're on Top of the Pops, you're going out to obviously, bear in mind, we didn't have the... Ch- the amount of TV channels you've got now. So getting on top of the pops, when you only had three TV channels, the chances are that someone, especially like teenagers, were watching top of the pops. So then your music is going out to that age group yeah, who yeah. are the ones that are going to go out and possibly buy your your single or album. So yes, there was that commercial. It was, it was I suppose, as you're saying now, it is commercial, but here it was very narrow. If you got onto top of the pops, you're getting into the household of X amount of millions of people who are then going to go out and buy your your single. Whereas now, it's it's not about the album because you can obviously download any song from the album without downloading the whole album. Whereas obviously back then you had to buy the whole album. You couldn't just download or just buy, or unless it was a single, you could go out and buy the single. Could you imagine how much this would be costing me if I had to buy every blooming album that you send to me songs off? Yeah, yeah. I'd have every album going that the 80s ever produced <laughs> and I'd be bankrupt. So Echo and the Bunnymen, in 1981, they had Crocodiles and that got to number 37. 1982, The Back of Love, number 19. 1983, The Cutter, number 8. 1983, Never Stop, number 15. 1984, The Killing Moon, number 9. 1984, Silver, number 30. 1984, Seven Seas, number 16, which was one you liked. 1985, Bring on the Dancing Horses, number 21. Can I just say about that one? I didn't really touch on videos, but the video for Bring on the Dancing Horses, very weird. They've got a cow in it. All right. Not dancing, is it? A cow. There's no dancing and there's not really, there's a guy that wears a horse head, like costume head, but there's a cow. And on the cow at one point, they like put a light on it saying fish. I was like, what am I watching? Watch it, dad. It's weird. It's weird. But I like that song. I'm not going to watch the video ever again. I didn't get much out of that. It was odd. Right. And at the very beginning, it was like quite dark and you could have mistaken the cow for a horse, especially because they made it go. Well, obviously, the horse didn't make the noise, but they made the noise of a horse. And I was like, OK, there's the horse. Then you actually see the cow. And I'm like, hang on. I mean, that's not that's not a horse. It's a cow. It was weird. Very odd. Okay. But okay. yeah. Any other videos you want to comment on before I carry on? Is there any other? Was... That was just a weird one. All the yeah. others that I watched, like they just looked young and it was quite dark like uh-huh. the videos not like dark as in like depressing and dark I mean like low light so there weren't much from it really you could tell it was early on okay 1987 the game number 28 
1987, Lips Like Sugar, number 36. And 1988, People Are Strange, number 29. What about Nothing Lasts Forever? So, Nothing Lasts Forever was not in the 1980s. It was actually from 1997. Oh! So, obviously, they got back together because Ian McCulloch is on the writing of that. Oh, okay. So, a little reunion release. So, uh, yeah. And it got to number eight. Wow. Oh, okay. I'm a bit taken back. Weren't expecting that. I weren't expecting such a big gap. Usually, if you give me a 90s one, it's like 1991, 1992. Yeah. But as I say, they split up. And McCulloch actually, as I say, they replaced him with another lead singer and he actually come out and said it, it was rubbish they sort of you know but he didn't blame the bloke who was replaced with he blamed the people that had oh, I can't remember if it was Will and um, Pete who unfortunately died or whether it was Lee the uh, patents and the bass but anyway um, he's, he blamed two of them and definitely one of them was Pete who as I say unfortunately died and said he blamed you know it's they're, they're the ones who wanted to keep the band going obviously replaced him which obviously they were they were right too obviously somewhere along the lines they got whether it was just a a reformed and you know for whatever reasons and they yeah but 1997 nothing lasts forever got to number eight and i checked and ian mcculloch was on the songwriting so he definitely was involved so that was this week's i'm Shocked in some ways, but hopeful in others. We've, I think we've still got a hit. Maybe not as many hits as I was originally anticipating, but I don't think it's a total flop. So there, we will carry on next week. <laughs> I was joking, but I'm guessing when you tell me your hits and miss, that The Cure, strangely, is not part of your listening for future. So hit or miss... Over to you. So the Boontown Rats have gone for a hit, but mostly like on selective songs. Yeah. Like there were a couple that I wouldn't listen to again, but I think overall they did quite well and I quite liked it, even though they were yeah. very instrumental. And I suppose we've cheated with them. Yeah. Because they were, I suppose the songs you liked were the ones that were obviously their, their popular ones. Yeah. Which but I did still 80s. like some of their 80s music. Like, it was mostly, okay, what let them down was Banana Republic. Yeah. That's basically what lets them down. Like, I did, like... Which was their biggest hit yeah, in the 80s. Weirdly. But, yeah, as much as I say they're instrumental and I'm not an instrumental person, they do have something there that keeps me in, that what makes me want to listen to them a bit more, and I would replay their songs. The ones that I would go to would be the ones before the 80s, like we've already established... I don't like Mondays and Raps. Which is what I put them on because they were the big, their big yeah, hits. So yeah, but I do think they're a hit. I would, I would go and listen to them. Bob Geldof would be pleased because she didn't know who he was. So. <laughs> no, I know who he who he is. I just didn't recognise him then. I only know him shaggy grey hair. I know him as an old man, not like, like young in his prime time with Boomtown Rats. It's like I didn't recognise Sting to begin with. And he knew it was Sting in there because I. I put two and two together. I know Sting is from the police. If I knew that Bob Geldof was from the Boontown Rats, I would probably have recognised him. But I would never have put the two together because I'd never even heard of Boontown Rats. So, yeah. 
but I do apologise, Bob Gelder. Were you not surprised that why are they on Live Aid? Oh, yeah, Live Aid. Were you not thinking, I didn't think this group would be there? Because I don't think they would have been there if it wasn't for Bob yeah. Geldof actually. I mean, no, it. it didn't surprise me. To be honest, I was more like, let's have a look at what Live Aid's about. Not that I'm watching yeah. Boomtown Rats, what the blooming heck are they doing here? Like, <laughs> but, you know, Live Aid to me was getting loads of people together. I didn't really ever think that it would only be the big artists because when you go to like festivals nowadays, you have the main stage of the big artists and you have other stages that are like upcoming artists. So as much as they probably weren't upcoming, I would have related it to that if I did, if I was to think into it. I suppose it. you've brought up a different thing here, but Live Aid was probably the first massive concert that was not, I mean, Glastonbury was going then, but it wasn't. They weren't as the, big. The, even it, what Glastonbury wasn't like it is now, back then. No. But. Live Aid just took it to another level. And obviously, you know, it had all the top bands and that. So usually if you were going to, if you yeah. were going to go to a concert, it was getting you'd everyone to together, it weren't just some sort group of... on tour, you know, but this was all the big groups playing all their big hits, obviously. And anyone who was anyone who was big at the time and at that time were on there. Yeah. Yeah. So I just assumed, you know, they're in the 80s. They're on Live Aid. Didn't think anything of it. Yeah. But now you say that Bob Geldof yeah, was in it, it makes sense. Um, okay, so moving on. The Cure, yeah, I'm sorry there, yeah. miss. Don't hate me. Podcast is not cancelled, guys. It's not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not having that. I've liked every other big one, but The Cure just isn't for me. It's just very depressing and slow, and I kind of just wanted it to end. So yeah, we're we go we go past. It. I'm surprised that you like them. Yeah, That's more what I'm surprised about. I thought you'd be less when you said to me that yeah. you last week that you were expecting, you know, that you had feeling that it could be an all hit week, and then you said might be one that you don't like. I thought, but when I was listening to him, I thought, yeah, the cure's the one that that's gonna be like, yeah, you don't like them. But no. Dexie's Midnight Runners was a hit. Really enjoyed them. They are up my street. Yeah. And Echo and the Bunnyman, I put a hit slash a miss. Because like they are good, but a few of their songs do let them down. Um, but they do have. I think it's because there's quite a few as well. Like if they had less, like Dexy's Midnight Runners or Boomtown Rats, they'd be more on the hit side rather than the miss. But because there's quite a few, like I say, the middle eighties, that's where I really liked. Like mostly that album, and then towards the end, I did like Lips Like Sugar. So. If I was to push you one way or the other, not sitting on the fence, are they a hit or are they a miss? Mm. So in the 80s, not including Nothing Lasts Forever, because mm. that was after, even though you listen to that, there's only 11 songs. So which means it's an odd number, which means that you must like or dislike more songs than the other. What would it, what is it? I'd go a hit. You like more? Yeah, I'd go a hit. So you're going to hit. Because if I was to put them on, they, like I said, I can zone in and out of them. Uh-huh. I feel like they could be a bit of company rather than I'm zoning out because I don't like them. I'm zoning out because maybe zoning out, zoning is the wrong word, but it's more just like they're just mm-hmm. there. I don't have to really focus on it. They're nice and comforting. They're nice company, like just to have on in the background while you're pottering about. Yeah, which, which, it's good. They were the ones that I thought might not be. So the fact that you said they are means that you've had four groups 
or artists, whatever you want to say, bands to listen to. And three of them were hits. Yeah. I think that's our biggest week. Yeah. I think whenever I've had four, it's been like half and half. Yeah. So for me, it's a success. I'm, I'm surprised the cure, but I shouldn't be surprised anymore because your, your <laughs> music is, is obviously quite different. As I say, Adam and the Ants proved that, I think. And I suppose the cure is, is, another, is another... My taste in music isn't different. It's just, I don't, I don't really have a taste in music. Not going to lie. I, I just yeah. listen. If I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't. But the cure, no. That's fair enough. I prefer but... Adam and the Ants over the cure. Really? Wow. Yeah, and that's saying something. Okay. Well, I'll still take three hits against one miss. So that's a, a good week. Yeah. And what I was expecting from this week, just probably, as I say, the different bands. So going on to next week then. Uh-huh. I can tell you. Well, I've not got the Smiths, have I? Because you said it would be interesting no. when you get to the Smiths. And I feel like I need yeah. a break from that because if they're anything <laughs> like The Cure. So we are moving away from the rock. Okay. All right. Let's go. So next week you have got Depeche Mode. Have you mentioned them before? We might have. I don't know. Have you heard of them before? Yeah, but I feel like only because you've mentioned them. All right. Human League. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And Vangelis. Blue neck is that? Vangelis. Okay. Yes. So that's your three for next week. Right. Okay. And we're moving on from rock. Okay. So, okay. We'll see how this goes then. Yeah. So I look forward to finding out what you've thought of what you're listening to yeah. this week or during this week and lead up to mm. next week's. Let's see discussion. how it goes. I've got high hopes so, yes. for Human League. So I do think... But I've... imagine I turn around and go, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Then you'll hate me. So I do think I've educated you this week because you found out that Bob Geldof was in a group and it was Boomtown yep. Rats. I also think I've educated you this week in letting you know who sang Come On Eileen. Yeah, I would never have known. It could get, all, it could have got all the way to my wedding, and I could have gone to a DJ. Yeah, we need a bit of come on Eileen to get the crowd up, and I probably still wouldn't have known because the DJ would be like, yeah, yeah, I'll play that for you, and no one would have told me the next. So yeah, now I'll be walking up to people and go, come on Eileen, Dexy's Midnight Runners, yeah, yeah. They didn't know that, did you? <laughs> yeah. However, as far as the influencing goes, I mean, yes, I've influenced you in you've you've listened to four bands and you like three of them. But obviously, yeah, I haven't influenced you in as far as the cure go. You, you don't like them. And I understand, as I say, it's obviously not your type of music and no different, as I say, when you, you shopped with Adam and the Ants. But put it this way, when I'm liking bands that aren't as big, like the surely that makes cats. you feel better. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think they're not groups that you would even hear about. You, I mean, funny enough, when we spoke last week, the only group you'd heard of was The Cure. Yes, which is right. And I don't know why. There's nothing there, really. I mean, there was a couple that I recognised, but not to the point. They're not as big songs like previous when I've been like, oh, yeah, I know Spandau Ballet and I know Durand, like, and I know Madness. Like, do you know what I mean? 
Yet then the only song that was massive enough for me to have heard of, no idea who Bloomin' sang it until this week. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah. So no, I feel I've achieved in what we set out with the podcast. It's a shame it's the last one, but you can <laughs> come on here next week and discuss your the songs I've just given you. And no, I'm only joking. Um, but yeah, no, no. It was interesting in listening to how well you liked it, I suppose, Dixie Smith's Night Runners, outside of their, their big hit of Common Eye League. You know, the fact that you like Jackie Wilson said, okay, yes, it was number, it was still a hit with number five, but it, mm. it wasn't their biggest hit. And even Gino wasn't, you know, you didn't, you know, okay, you did when you was guessing who was the other number one, but, you know, the fact that you like that. And also the, yeah, the, the fact that you did like Boomtown Rats and Echo and the Bunnymen, I think was, was good. So, yeah, so we will see what you think of next week's. Yeah. Okay. On that note, I will say good night, goodbye, and we'll look forward to next week. Have a good week listening. Yeah, and have a good re- re- researching, Dad. <laughs> yes. I'll speak to you next week. All right. All right. See you. Bye. Bye, Dad. <laughs>